Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Stranger Things with Jay, Jack, and Mike. My name is Jay. My name is Mike. And I'm Nancy, and when I have sex, people die. <laughs> and welcome to the show. Who, whose death are you attributing to, to Nancy? Having well, sex? Every time we see her having sex on the screen, someone dies. You had the five people that were ambushed at the end when Will... Uh, you can't, you can't blame that on her. Yeah. That is I'm not, not, I, I, I'm not, how do we know it's not Nancy's fault? Oh, you think like Nancy has some sort of what like cursed sexual drive and that every time she decides to exercise that libido, death comes a coming? I'm just pointing out the fact. Uh, I you know what, listen, I can I can give you Barb's death, okay, but I the, some random red shirts getting killed uh, in the tunnels. But, I, I'm not gonna I don't think you can attribute that I, to how 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 many people have died on this show? how many episodes have there been? Uh, 15, 16, 17, whatever it is. Sure. We're talking through we're talking through the 13th and 14th episodes today. Okay. Okay. Nancy, we've seen her have sex twice or we've oh, yeah, that we've, you know, we've Sure. We've, and twice people have died. <laughs> just I'm just saying. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't know if I like this correlation yeah. causality <laughs> stuff, Jack. I'm just pointing I'm not going to let you sex sex shame Nancy, okay? Yeah, it's her choice. Yes. It's her choice, and people die. <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, on that happy note, welcome everybody to Stranger Things. We have uh, two new chapters to talk about today, uh, five and six. We are we are in the thick of it uh, in these Stranger Things episodes. And uh, uh, Mike and Jack, how's it been for you guys? I mean, I'm uh, I'm been in the same boat in that I've kept watching two episodes of Stranger Things every week for the past two months at this point i will say <laughs> and for the non-binging personality that i am when we reached the end of episode six i was saying oh i want to watch the next one it was I'm, tough. I'm willing to break habit just because it ends on such an interesting cliffhanger and yeah we sort of get an interesting sort of mini arc contained within this episode or at least a progression of the plot where i think in the previews we saw a lot of stuff with like people wearing scrubs or people in a hospital. Yeah. That's why we assumed that Bob was going to be a doctor at yeah. first, but it seems like we're finally building to that point. And it seems like all of these disparate threads, much like season one are finally starting to come together once more. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's the same. Yeah. Same, same feelings. Here's like, Oh, okay. Now this is all, you know, this, like, it, assuming maybe this is where ish is going to happen. Um, especially with the way that the cliffhanger um, ended. It's a, it's definitely a tough uh, cliffhanger. Um, I, I don't know about uh, for you uh, uh, if uh, Angela she did she watch the whole thing 
Because Colleen yeah, watched she the watched, whole thing. she watched the whole thing. Uh, I tried to best to avert my gaze as she was watching the next thing. But yeah, she basically was of that mentality of like, I can't just watch one. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. It really is like the Pringles of television at this point. So she watched them all pretty much the weekend that they came out, including all the post-show content too. Is she watching it's- it again with you? Uh, or yes. is she like totally abstaining? So she's watching it Which again Which is with great you. Okay. because she'll warn me, for example, when I see Steve walking to the basement and I like <laughs> avert my gaze, she'll say, oh, no, no, don't worry. Nothing scary happens here. Nothing pops out. You're good. <laughs> And that's spoiler I, alert. Well, th- that's a that's a good um, indication or indicator of how uh, good your marriage is. Because uh, if I was in the same shoes, I would have like misled you to think it's going to be okay, and then have the scare come in. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to be fair, I would have done the same thing. It's more fun that way. Probably, I'm, happy probably, get, I, I'm happy I didn't get to go to that premiere party because then you were just like, <laughs> "Oh, don't worry, nothing bad's going to happen." <sighs> this is a non-scary season. That's that's what the, it's, the it's okay. reviewers it's are okay. saying. It's okay. It's okay. Nancy doesn't have sex in this episode. You're okay. <laughs> quit quit it. Quit shaming her. Nancy, you're okay. <laughs> have sex as much as you want to. The deaths I, are unrelated. I, your dad's not going to know. That's for sure. Um, that's a very like I, Murray-like take of yours, Jack. Like, ooh, it's all connected. Draw the pieces of yarn from Nancy's <laughs> genitals to the death ba- death bodies. Well, you know, I like to drink like Murray does and stuff. So, uh, well, you know, it is what it is. I, I will say this, though. I, this is this has been tough. I mean, I, I, I can't like you, you guys have said, I hate we finish this. I go, oh, this is a tough one to end on for sure. What, mm-hmm. what if I che- what if I cheat? Who would know? I go, I would know. I so I, I don't do it. And I, it's, you know, with the Internet today, it's different than it was like 30 years ago. I mean, well, they didn't have Ben shows, but. It, you you have to avoid things on you know you, like you're on Twitter you go, oh wait someone's talking about it or Facebook someone's talking about it or just whatever it is it's it's tough and I can't wait for this podcast and so I can watch these two episodes. <laughs> Well, uh, we will enjoy talking about the episodes that we have right now to talk about, and Jack can then just run and watch episode seven right after we finish recording. So, Jack, for you, the cliffhanger is not too much longer. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, are you ready to get into this recap? We have some listener feedback today. We got two awesome episodes to talk about. Uh, so what do you say we jump into it? All right. All right. Here we do go. Uh, so first episode, Dig Dug. Um, Dig Dug getting a big comeback here uh, from this uh, series, I feel. Because who, who's well, talked can, about can we, can we Can we take like a brief dallying to talk about the your recently acquired arcade machine, considering that we go back to the arcade in this episode as well? Uh, yes, yes. I bought a Tron arcade cabinet. And it, it may have slightly been inspired by uh, Stranger Things. Just get me in the nostalgia what, feel. What, why did you buy Dig Dug? Because I don't like Dig Dug. Tron's one of my no, favorite games. Yeah, no, so. Jay went to the store and Dig Dug had an out of order sign on it. And he didn't realize <laughs> ah. that it, someone wanted to talk to him in the back to tell him all the big Stranger Things spoilers. And he, he ignored that warning. Well, now now that it's featured on Stranger Things, it's a hot it's a hot arcade cabinet. The uh, prices on it just like skyrocketed on uh, on the evil base. So it's, it's, it's tough to get your hands on a Dig Dug at the moment. <laughs> Has it really gone up that much? Oh, I have no idea. I, I know oh. the... Um, the Thank little uh, the Demogorgon piece, the D- Dungeons and Dragons um, from first season one, it was like a worthless maybe dollar, two dollars, and now the original ones are hundreds of dollars. If you want to get one of those, you can't even find them. Um, so, so we should we should have planned this out ahead and bought thousands of them. Well, the thing is, like they you know 
that. It was no, it, when, it, when, it got when, hot when, the but, second it dropped on Netflix. So um, it, it's not like we had any warning or insider tra- trading that we could have done. Well, I, I'm just going to say the writers from season th- for season three, if you can give us kind of heads up what you're pl- planning so I can make some purchases. Uh, <laughs> that, that is definitely I won't insider tell. trading. <laughs> I won't tell. I won't tell. Yeah, because uh, even because they you can find they have like recasts of the original cast. Those are like fifty bucks a piece. And again, it's a little thing, maybe an inch or two tall. Um, that's what she said. Um, I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say that because <laughs> yeah, you've done too much sex talk already, Jack. Exactly. Take your quota. Wait, I've Jack. If, if I have a sexual innu- in- innuendo, does that mean people are going to die? Is it is it, is it I, correlation? Well, I, I didn't I didn't want to do it because I already dig dug myself a hole. So. I, <laughs> Oh, man. I can't top that. Let's jump into this uh, quick cap, then we'll get to our top (laughs) moments for Dig Dug. Uh, Hopper becomes trapped in the tunnels and passes out. Will has a vision of Hopper's state, uh, but Joyce cannot figure out its meaning, and she recruits Bob to help. He identifies the network as a map under Hawkins and where Hopper was trapped. Nancy and Jonathan visit local conspiracy theorist Murray for help. Murray knows the public will not accept their story as is, but suggests watering down the story to make it more believable. To blame Barb's death on toxins from the lab. Lucas privately reveals the events of last year to Max to gain her respect, but she doesn't believe him. Dustin traps Dart in the basement, and he gets Steve to help recapture it. Eleven uh, leaves to find Terry Ives, who is catatonic and cared for her by her sister. Eleven is able to communicate with Terry, gaining her memories of trying to rescue her at Hawkins' lab before she was subject to an intentional, severely brain-damaging dose of shock therapy. Eleven finds there was another girl trained like her. Joyce, Bob, and Will and Mike are able to rescue Hopper. Uh, the lab personnel soon arrive and set tunnels on fire, causing Will to collapse in agony. And frequently at that. Um, the top moments. Uh, number one, Hopper is dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was just like, dude, he's going to die. What are you doing? First, just going down there without any backup. And then also uh, just the like looking at the weird pustule thing that spits out toxins or whatever it is. I'm just like, you're a dummy. Well, he yeah. tried to get he did try to get out. I mean, yeah, but as Jay mentioned, I don't know. This is where his decision to not tell anyone anything and try to like, you know, play courier and run between all these pieces of information without actually revealing anything definitely came home to roost a bit just because. Nobody knew where the hell he was. Joyce had to go through context clues of like what he muttered as he rushed out of the house. And if had she not heard that, he would definitely be dead. Though that also means that maybe the vines would be burned up. Maybe this one connect back to Will. Maybe things would be in a different place. But yeah, I mean, Hopper definitely screwed himself here by being so secretive about everything from the past year. Yeah. Um, and it was like, it's like, all he said was vines. That's all she had to go. So I think Joyce is the true hero here. And uh, number two, Bob the Brain to the rescue. How awesome is Bob? Jack, your, your theory last week that he's a secret spy. Can we put it to rest these two episodes? I think mm-hmm. Bob has proven his, his yeah, valor yeah, here. Yeah, Bob knows exactly what. Yeah, come on. Bob knew what was going on. It's Lover's We're supposed to be. Yeah, okay, all right. I'm, uh, you guys want to stick with Bob's the good guy? That's fine with me. I want to stick with Bob the good guy because the show is showing me that Bob's the good guy. I'm not expecting like a sort of Disney-esque twist at the end where it turns out that he was the villain and, all along. And, he, and, and, he just keeps last, ki- last season, Hopper was the smart guy. Now he's the stupid guy. I mean, <laughs> so I'm, I'm sticking with Bob's the bad guy. Mm. I got three more episodes, right? Uh, yes, three more. Okay. But I, but I love this. I, liked, I was worried for a while that Bob would just be like, 
oh, we're bringing Sean Astin for this, but he's going to be like very innocuous to everything. He's not going to get involved. I'm happy that I, I don't know how much he got explained to him off camera, but I'm happy that he's at least involved in some of this stuff and how he unintentionally just sort of unlocked this solution by just being a, a master at <laughs> figuring out maps and riddles and all that jazz. Yes. Um, I, I Awesome. I mean, who doesn't love Sean Astin? Um, but uh, a couple cool things here. Uh, when he when they mark the X, he's like, what's there, pirate treasure? So a cool call out to Goonies, um, mm-hmm. which Colleen saw for the first time this weekend. Um, and then another thing, uh, the Duffer brothers, are they were born and raised in Durham, North Carolina, which is uh, right near us here uh, at Jane Jack Studios. And uh, that he references Jordan Lake, which is an actual lake in Durham. So it is. Um, a couple other things were referenced to, to where they grew up, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I love uh, these two episodes. Uh, if I didn't, if I liked Bob before, I loved him uh, in these two, just because he's such he's such a sweet, good character. The one thing I will say about these characters that are really interesting as well, between Bob and Max, who I think Jack still has as you know sleeper cell KGB agents <laughs> at this point, uh, is the fact that like they both take this news very well and again i don't know what capacity each of them have received this news since again these explanations happened off camera but i feel like any quote-unquote normal person would be like you're but basically react the way murray thinks the entire community is going to react to this type of stuff they say like you're crazy this isn't real i'm just going to ignore you but both of them seem to be very much like okay all right (laughs) this is a thing great all right i'll help out however i can which again is atypical but for uh, a plot standpoint i'm happy i'm I'm glad we again and it was like they just they just t- you know took it without any questioning because Bob said like I don't know if this is a good idea. Will looks sick. He should go to the doctor. Da da da. Um, but then she tr- he trusts Joyce and and kind of follows along as best he can. And then for Max, um, hilariously, uh, well we'll get to that uh, after the Murray well, section. Well, but well, didn't Joyce say I have to save my real boyfriend? Ooh. Did she? Did she? No. Tell Bob that. Yeah there, yeah, there was this really weird moment where I guess it was episode six, right, where it was like Hopper, Joyce, and Bob, where it was like Joyce and Hop- <laughs> Joyce and Hopper were like looking at each other, and then Bob's like, "Oh, hey, Jim." He's like, "Oh, yeah, hi, Bob." Which I thought uh, I thought it was great acting by Aston, John Aston, because it, <laughs> it was it was the end. Like, it was the end of season five. I'm not season five. Sorry, episode five uh, when they save him, and then you know they're. Uh, I think it's Joyce and, and Hopper are embracing. And then he goes, like, Hopper goes, oh, hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, Jim. Hey, and Bob, hey, Jim. But it, it was like he, he felt like that he, he, it was great acting because it looked like he was uncomfortable with the whole thing. <laughs> it was funny. It was good. Um, number three, Nancy and Jonathan meet with Murray. Uh, what's the thoughts here with the Murray care out of the new characters uh, in this one? Uh, what, did you, what did you think of the, the Murray kind of arc here over these two episodes? I mean,. It's bringing some comedy to it in terms of that tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I don't know. I can understand why it's there. I was actually a little surprised. I thought that Nancy and Jonathan's mission was, okay, we're going to go get the tape recording. I was a little surprised that they, you know, spent the night at a hotel and were obviously going somewhere else. It turns out they were going to make multiple stops while they were sort of under the guise of going to sleepovers. But... (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out because I I don't know if I necessarily loved this plot. It feels like it's once again too separated from everything else going on. You know, it seems like all the other characters are kind of in the mix with what's going on in Hawkins proper, especially in the sixth episode. And it still feels like Nancy and Jonathan are kind of out on a limb. 
But if it brings us moments like it does in episode six that I'm sure we're going to talk about, I guess it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's interesting because you would think if they have to do this for five seasons, they kind of have to branch outside of just the specific places that we had in season one um, because we had that opening scene of this season that was in Pittsburgh um, uh, with uh, did we get a number for her? I can't remember now. Eight. 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 Yes. uh, Eight. Um, And you know, we have it later, but um, we assume that's the other girl that's in the rainbow room, I would guess. But um, so I would, I would, I would assume that the world has to expand but I could also I could see it being risky, just the way uh, fans can be. Uh, they may not like uh, it expanding out of Hawkins, um, but who knows? Well, do we do we know if this took place in Hawkins? How big is Hawkins? By I think the it's way, very big. It seemed like it was a bit out of town, but I maybe not necessarily like it. May, could have still been Hawkins, but this this whole story definitely felt like out like a new territory that it hasn't been in before. If that makes sense. Yeah, because I was going to say, if they've been bopping around Hawkins between going to the lab and all this stuff, what do you think the chances are that, like, their parents would be out driving around and just, like, you know, if if Joyce is driving to go find Hopper and she passes by Jonathan and Nancy, (laughs) I feel like in a small town, that's more likely to happen than not, right? Yeah, Yeah, totally. But it's more rural, I think. I think the houses are spread out. Everything. That's true. It's not like it's not like uh, Raleigh, where, you know, a big city where (laughs) big city, but everything's, you know, crammed together. Yeah. We'll we'll just have to, we'll have to see how that uh, plays out over time. Uh, number four, Lucas uh, spills the beans to Max, um, and Max thinks it's just a story. She says it's a little deli- derivative, but uh, it was fun. I thought that was a yeah. nice little call out to whatever story. stalker. But I thought it was a nice meta moment, uh, kind of mm-hmm. acknowledging maybe some of the criticisms that people have had against uh, Stranger Things over time. Yeah, not enough originality. What are you guys thinking about the like Lucas and Max? "Quote unquote relationship," which I definitely think gets developed in these two episodes, because I think in the beginning we were getting like the Lucas versus Dustin, but with amidst all the Dart stuff that's going on, it seems like they are really going in hard on the Lucas and Max relationship. I, I think it's fine. Um, I, I I know uh, uh, Mike, you were against the Eleven and Mike uh, pairing, uh, if you will, um, but I I think it's I think it's okay. I, I, where, where do you stand? Yeah, I'm still kind of torn because I like the actors and I like the characters. I wonder if it's for me, it's just that I still don't know Max as a character yet. I know that she skateboards and she has a very odd home life. Uh, we're going to get next episode too. I guess what living with Billy is like where he's <laughs> bench pressing while smoking a cigarette <laughs> and blaring metal, which again, who knows where these parents are because I believe that they said that like they moved there with their mother and stepfather. So they're nowhere to be seen unless like Billy murdered them and they're already under that buried <laughs> under the house or something like news. But I, I just feel like we, I want to know Max more as a character aside from just like, Hey, she's a girl and she's pretty good at video games. And now she's going to serve as a crush for some other boys in the group. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that in, in this, in a season that only has nine episodes and introducing this new character. Is there enough time to get that? Mm, maybe if they have a, I mean, I feel like we got a couple of moments in episode six, so I feel like we're creeping there. We're we're the little you know demodogs putting our hands <laughs> up on the cliffs 
uh, crawling out of the chasm of no character development about to get over the edge. But I don't know, as you said, if there's enough episodes, and especially with so much going on, I don't know how much more max development we're going to get. I still feel like her and Billy are sort of like, I don't know, two of the bigger, not necessarily mysteries, but like holes, I guess, yeah. that are existing within the characters in this season so far. And I'm I'm hopeful that we're going to get more from them, but I'm I'm uh, realistic that there's a good chance we won't be, especially if things start building to a fever pitch, as is indicative at the end of the pre- at the next episode. And it, and it's 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 interesting because Bob is pretty much used in a similar way, but it's just because we already know Sean Astin and maybe connect with him that you, as a as a viewer you can go in and you don't need as much because he you kind of get him right away I mean, you know what i'm saying because i would agree there is this feeling that max and billy aren't as fleshed out of characters or they haven't really done much with them aside from just being set pieces to play off the other characters um but bob is in a similar way but we we connect more with bob is there is there any correlation there in terms of the writing and how it's being used Bob's I, mean, likable. What? I mean it, it might it might just be a thing yeah as as jack said that like I wouldn't say Bob's more likable, but I feel like even I don't know if it's a Sean Astin thing. I feel like we just get a good sense of who Bob is, and maybe it's because his character is a little more two dimensional. Maybe it's just because they made better use of the economy of writing when it comes to. Because I do agree that it seems like we've sort of seen all three of these characters in spurts, in you know uh, fits and uh, fits and starts. But it feels like Bob was very specific in his characterization, whereas now it's just like. Billy is generic, sort of like sociopathic asshole, and Max is skateboard girl who is also pretty cool and wants to be part of the gang. You know, I just wonder if it's a matter of because Bob's character is a little more, for lack of a better term, simple. And I don't mean that in the pejorative sense. I have mused about how much I love the character from day one in his simplicity. I wonder if it's because these characters are more complicated that they need to usually you take more time to reveal who they are. Kind of like what happened with Steve, where Steve initially seemed two dimensional and then he sort of gained some depth. Maybe we're waiting for that moment for the bottom to drop out for Max and Billy. But because of how the season's been going so far, there's a chance we might not get it. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. A good assessment. Uh, number five, Dustin enlists Steve to help uh, with taking care of Dart. The whole Dustin and Dart storyline is is I thought had a lot of fun moments. Probably the apex of it is the the pairing up with Steve, but also mm-hmm. um, him calling uh, Mike's dad a uh, useless sob. <laughs> Language. Hilarious. Language. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now. If kid did that to me, I I, I know. I would say a little more than language. <laughs> but it's perfect, though. I thought it was hilarious. Can I, and can I, also lo- I also love... Go ahead, Jack. I have a couple thoughts. Okay, you have Dustin... You have uh, Billy, who's heavy metal, right? Uh-huh. And Steve is more pop. Uh-huh. When they're driving their car. It, it, so you have the two You have the two different personalities. I noticed that Steve was playing more mellow music, and, and, and Billy's all, ah! Heavy metal music. Also, how far is it from Dustin's house to Mike's house because it was daylight when he left and it was nighttime when they got to the uh, back to his house. In all fairness, it is fall and we are currently in fall right mm. now and it's dark okay. by like it's bright at 4:58 and then pitch black at 5:05. So All right, and, I'll and, go and, with you that. And also who knows, you know, Dustin decided to go directly to Mike's house. Maybe he also stopped by Lucas's and he stopped by the buyer's residence as well. Maybe that was just the first stop of many, but I agree I like him going over to uh the Wheeler's house and not only calling out the dumb dumb dad but also like 
chastising Mrs. Wheeler for being on the phone for two hours. <laughs> yeah. I forget. I forget. I forget what she was talking about. It was uh, to her friend gossiping about something. I think. But you know, I, as as the person who grew up in that, where there's no call waiting, and you had to basically you had to call the operator and say, "Hey, can you, I need emergency break to my phone because my sisters would be on the phone forever." Uh, I remember those days, and it was frustrating. <laughs> that being I, said, I, I do like I do like the dad though. Do we know where our daughter is? Do we know where our son's at? I did, did that. That's just classic. Haven't you heard? Uh, they don't live dead. here anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that line. That was like a nice, like, sarcastic line from dad of like, yeah, I don't know any better, but at the same time, like, I can still be a wise ass about the fact that my. And also, again, a nice little uh, lampshade about the fact that the children at this point are what, like, they haven't. They the last time they were home was probably what like three episodes ago. <laughs> at this point, maybe around Halloween. But oh my god, can we talk about this Dustin and Steve pairing? I love it yes. so so much. And this is why I'm happy that like, you know, I was hesitant in the beginning of season two that we were going. Oh, it's going to be kids off in one direction, teenagers off in another, and adults off into a third, like it was for the majority of season one. But now we're really starting to get everything going. The slash fiction is basically writing itself, and I loved just like the sibling-esque relationship between Steve and Dustin. It gets built out more on the train tracks in the next episode, yep. but such a random pairing, but such a fun grouping. Yep, I, I agree. Like, uh, it, if, if I fell in love with Bob, I'm starting to fall in love with steve uh, in these two episodes um because yeah, of that steve is, i agree steve is much more likable this season than he was last season but here's the thing though we love bob and we love steve but what's going to happen when the inevitability happens and nancy gets with jonathan and joyce gets with hopper how do we feel about these two fan favorites getting cuckolded sooner rather than later maybe uh, steve will find, find someone else <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy that's oh that's that's i, I don't know if i want to i know i said slash fiction beforehand but i didn't mean that type of slash fiction i don't know if there are any bob steve uh, shippers pl- out there <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with it there's it. plenty well if he's underage but i think he's i think he's an adult i don't know anyways we're not going down there um uh, uh, there's plenty wow. of fish in the sea for for bob and steve if it if it doesn't work out for them but all right um, i don't well, i don't know if but i will feel, I, I don't know I, if i feel I, bad I think for Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. I don't think I think I think there's more for Steve than Bob. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. I'll feel bad for Bob if it ends up that she gets with Hopper. I'm going to feel bad for Bob because he's dating Joyce. Who yeah, would have exactly. thought he would ever date Joyce? Steve's like, eh, you know. So anyway, um, we get the story of Terry Ives, a, a truly tragic, heartbreaking story. Um, Eleven connects with her and then um, Terry kind of shares, uh, you know, what happened. And uh, uh, we get we get more information, and we see that uh, um, I'm blanking on his name now. Matthew Brenner, 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 Brenner. Uh, Doctor Brenner, uh, basically fried her mind. Um, just he was, as she evil. was able to, you know, getting back to her daughter. Yeah. So, how do we feel about because we got the whole like breathe sunflower three to the left four to the right rainbow 450 we got that muttered i think specifically in this episode and then it paid off immediately by the end of it uh, which again I, I feel like in any other tv show it would totally be like a save the cheerleader save the world where like it only makes sense several episodes from now so i'm happy they addressed it and this was just such a well-done sequence too i like this sort of blurriness on the the memories to sort of not only signify that they're not in our real timeline but the fact that they are sort of vague memories existing in this swirling pool of this poor woman's addled mind but 
yeah, I thought this was a really interesting way to address both the Terry Ives character and refer to what happened, you know, fill in some of the blanks as to how Eleven got involved specifically with Hawkins Lab. Yeah, and um, also because, I, Jack, I know you're a big flashback fan, but it'd be really hard to get him. And I, it's, it was a really creative way uh, to go about it. Um, and uh, getting a backstory, because I think when we were talking about uh, season one and we saw Terry Ives, I think, I think Mike, you, you called it out saying, you know, I don't think we'll, we'll go back to them. We don't really need to go back to them. Um, and uh, I think this justified it. You know, we found out more information mm-hmm. and got more backstory in a, in a really unique way, which I thought was cool. Now, the question is, will we go back to them again? Or do we feel like <laughs> now we sort of maybe I was delaying the end point by one season. But I, I'm, I, I do think it's interesting as well that like Terry Ives sort of has these, I don't know, I, I don't want to call them like dormant powers. But I mean, she was able to make the lights flicker. Yeah. I wonder if either this season ends with like Terry Ives dying or who knows, maybe Terry Ives can sort of become I don't want. Why do I keep going back to heroes? But when, um, when Mister, when the Petrelli father, the Petrelli patriarch, came back at the beginning of Heroes season three and became like the big bad. What if we're facing a situation where like Terry Ives comes back and she's actually uh, not too well, all things considered, with everything that happened to her, and then she suddenly becomes sort of an antagonist uh, to her daughter who has the same amount of powers. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a great theory, and I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, they've shown it. They've hinted it. Um, there's a lot of story left, and yeah, I don't, I don't see why either good or bad, but I don't see why she couldn't come back to the story um, in, in some form or fashion. Jack, what do you think? I think anything. That, I think that anything that takes us away from heroes, the better. <laughs> well, that's going to take us towards heroes. <laughs> um, well, uh, going to kind of ties right into the next top moment here. The other girl in the rainbow room, eight. Um, so that's that's the second reference to her. I assume we're gonna get more this season, or maybe it'll just then go into the next season. Who knows? Well, uh, but there's eight, more than just is, eleven. Isn't eight older than eleven though? Uh, we assume so, uh, but yeah. it, but it could be maybe three or four years old. It doesn't have to be like ten years older. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I'm trying to remember as well. The flashback happened actually what like around the same time period as the season started, right? It was October 28th, 1984. Episode two of this season was on Halloween, 1984. So I guess it makes sense. I initially thought that like, oh, maybe this is a flash forward or something, but I don't know. Uh, Around that age, some girls uh, mature faster than others. Uh, Who am I to judge? And maybe she has like super age powers where she's like (laughs) Benjamin buttoning it and she looks much older even though she's the same age. Well, actually, that's a good call because... Her powers don't seem to be the same as Eleven. She made um, the cop see that bridge collapse when it actually didn't collapse, right? So maybe she, maybe the people with her see her as older? Because maybe that's what she's projecting? I don't know. Huh. Or again, good, I, I think maybe job. she could be like four, maybe four years older or something, which it wouldn't, you know, when they're kids, you probably wouldn't see as much, but four years older from, you know, 13 to 17 is a, is a pretty big leap yeah you know you can you can you know puberty it's a thing um (laughs) anyway uh number eight hopper is saved uh we already talked about kind of the funny moment between uh bob uh and hopper um 
but yeah, it's is uh, but, is this a, is this a triangle or uh, or are we firmly in uh, Bob and Joyce forever? No, I don't think it's Bob and Joyce forever. I wish it was, but I don't think it is. By the way, a really fun moment, like very Indiana Jones esque moment with Jim going back for yes. his hat after yes. he gets uh, taken away before the yeah, guys come I, in to try to burn everything down. Yeah, I saw the same thing. Uh, but I, I was wondering how come Bob was letting Joyce do all the heavy work in the beginning. Bob's just sitting there. What do you mean? Well, Bob, Joyce grabs the shovel and she's doing all the digging. Bob's like, oh, can we do this? Huh? You know? Well, yeah, I think he's just like, what's going on? He's, like, he's also like, this is somebody else's land. <laughs> uh, and again, a nice indicator for like what's about to pay off literally in the next episode is they have they're basically going by the guidance of Will. Will's the one who literally made them turn off the road into this random patch of land yeah. and, and find him successfully. And uh, it has its benefits and its drawbacks. We're about to see the latter at the end of next episode. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, you know, the the they start to burn the growth or whatever, and then Will like it's 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 very it's disturbing. Uh, the yeah. scream that he has it's it's very what would you say exorcist esque or just very possessed like it was it was creepy it was disturbing. Um, well, I think I think Mike, you said the last podcast what a great job this actor is doing mm-hmm. the character play, he's playing Will. I, it's it, it, he is amazing. I mean, it just it was uncomfortable watching him scream I, and. So yeah, good job. Were you scared, Mike, as a <laughs> as our resident scaredy cat? <laughs> no, I was no, more. He was I warned was, ahead of time. And I was more like, yeah, I was warned ahead of time. There's gonna be a, a boy screaming at me. Uh, no, I was. I guess I was more concerned, as Jack said. I would. I think it made sense. Again, last podcast we really speculated about what this connection was going to be as a result of Will sort of deep throating the Thessal Hydra <laughs> in a manner of speaking. Um, <laughs> All right, so, I didn't even go there. So now, now, now I, yeah, I hit my quota now for sexual references. Uh, but I, it, we were wondering exactly what that was going to entail, and I think we're now starting to see that it's almost like a very Harry Potter-Voldemort-like connection, where like first it just started as like they were tangentially connected, but now with him doing this, they see like what the other person's seeing. They're working together. They're weaponizing each other. Uh, we'll talk about how that pays off at the very end of the podcast. I know that I spoke about this fact that maybe they even speak about it here. We're like, oh, we can be will can uh, can be a spy, and sometimes they can be a reverse spy. And I think we saw both sides of it over the course of these two episodes. So I think it made sense. It was freaky to watch, but I think it just shows how that quickly. Uh, the possession or whatever you want to call it, the connection between the two has just become so much stronger. Yeah, and uh, and scarily so. Um, you know, if if there is references to, you know, pop culture class, I think we even talked about it, but uh, if it is going to kind of go the exorcist uh, way, because um, it definitely felt that way. He's he's possessed. It's even, I, maybe it's even more so than the connection between Voldemort and Harry Potter, because it seems he's possessed. It's, he's not even really in control uh, a lot of times. It seems like now he's just like a passenger, uh, and and the the shadow monster is the driver. Mm, it's interesting. I would almost compare it to the little girl in Poltergeist, like the there here girl. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like I, I can understand what you're saying in terms of like bodily control, but I think it's also a matter of like he knows what's going on behind true. the scenes, and that's he's true. the only one that can see it. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good call. Out. Um, all right, well, let's jump into chapter six uh, and following up the, this uh, disturbing ending to chapter five, The Spy. 
Um, I think we know we're talking about there. Will is rushed to the lab and demonstrates memory loss. Dr. Owen speculates that the shadow monster is like a virus in Will, which has spread to his brain, damaging uh, the tunnels may be lethal to Will. Uh, Nancy and Jonathan spend the night at Murray's, uh, where they admit their feelings for each other, uh, then return to the buyer's home and discover Will's drawings. Dustin contacts Lucas and the two, along with Max and Steve, attempt to trap Dart at the local junkyard. There, Max opens up to Lucas, explaining that Billy's attitude is a result of his father remarrying Max's mother, a situation Billy was unhappy with. The four find that Dart is but one of a pack of adolescent monsters, and they are trapped in a bus until the pack suddenly runs away. At the lab, Will discovers a location on his map that the monsters want to avoid, located near the lab. Owen sends a team to investigate, but it's a trap. The team is attacked by the adolescent monsters, who subsequently make their way into the lab itself. They realize that the monster has manipulated Will. Um, top moments. Will is infected with the shadow monster. We talked about it already. Any more things that we want to talk about in terms of this connection between Will and the, the shadow monster? Yeah, what did you guys think about the virus analogy? I know that obviously Dr. Owens is coming from it from a medical perspective, and I think this sort of showed, I think we asked in the very first podcast we did of like, okay, is Dr. Owens really a doctor or is that just a front for something? It does seem like he's actually a medical professional, but it's interesting the explanation that he gives. Again, it's less so about possession for him. It's more about like a viral infection where this time the pathogen is actually actively communicating with its host. Yeah, I think from him, if he's a man of science, he's going to try and make grounded in reality. And I think from that perspective, it makes sense. Um, and especially the, the part about it kind of having a hive mind and connecting to, to multiple creatures. And it kind of makes, or it paints the shadow monster as kind of the big bad that was maybe even controlling the Demogorgon in season one. Um. And I, I think it does kind of paint an interesting context for the, the baddies uh, in this show. I will also say, you know, there was just this questioning of, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? You know, based upon his character in Aliens is kind of the reference. Um, and I, I honestly think he is trying to do his best uh, with mm-hmm. the situation. I, I'm, not, I'm not getting the vibe that he's a double agent. Jack, you may defer uh, with me actually, on that. Actually, I was, about, I was about ready to say, I said he, he after this episode, but I think he is more, not necessarily a good guy, but he's more trying to do good. Yeah. You know, he's, try, he's trying to do the right thing here, whereas Brenner wasn't. Brenner obviously was a bad guy, you see, especially when you see the flashback. In the, in the fifth episode, yeah, I think he's trying to, because they're doing that round table, and the guys just say, hey, let the kid die. Who cares? And he goes, and he wants to say, obviously, he wants to save Will, and yeah. or maybe it's for a greater purpose. I don't know. But right now, I'm leaning toward he's a he's necessarily not great, a great guy, but he's, he's better than I thought he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think between this and two episodes ago, when he was sort of talking to Nancy and Jonathan about how, oh, yeah, we want to do this so that, you know, it doesn't fall into enemy hands. I don't know. This might be me playing into it a little bit, but I personally think like this is where he's coming from. I don't think he's as smart as we're projecting him to be. I really don't think we're dealing with another Brenner who is playing 3D chess. I think we're dealing with a man who is very good at checkers and only (laughs) checkers. He's not dealing with many higher levels. So I think it was honestly just like a, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. We had no nefarious purposes. And like you said, he seems to genuinely care about Will in particular. So I'm happy about that, especially compared to someone like Brenner, who, while he served his necessary part in terms of the plot, was definitely more of a caricature compared to what we see here. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, number two, Nancy and Jonathan get it on. Uh, did you enjoy the pullout? 
what? Um, <laughs> one of the, fu- I think, funniest moments in the show, and our show has has had a lot of sexual innuendos, uh, but I think this one uh, takes the cake as far as the season goes. Um, but uh, all this sexual tension between the two, and it's finally released, and according to Jack, it kills people. But um, uh, what do we think it's, about... It's fact. I mean- I just it's the for facts. the uh, for the shippers uh, of the show or people that care about the ships, uh, if you will, um, for Joyce and Jonathan. Uh, how do we feel about this? It can it can always be uh, it's a dangerous territory to go in for characters that kind of have this sexual tension. You know, uh, Sam and Diane, uh, Ross and Rachel. It, it can be uh, dangerous once you cross that line. <laughs> what are you, what are your thoughts here uh, with Nancy and Jonathan uh, yeah, expressing their love for each other? I can't wait until Jonathan's season four of like, we were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got with Bob. Uh, yeah, it's I the mean, radio shack I, guy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, you had a great deal on a JVC. Uh, I, I mean, I was I was satisfied personally because, I mean, we got it really painted on thick in the previous episode, especially when they're like showing each other their cool scars and they're sort of reminiscing and you know they're thinking on fonder times where they might have been and even nancy sort of points out like almost implies the fact that hey you know we could have gone together had it not been for you trying to recover from this traumatic incident in your life which uh nance uh you you gotta (laughs) give them a little bit more time than that i know the holidays are coming around and that's where uh libidos fly but still you gotta you gotta get you gotta cuff it's cuffing season you gotta Shack yeah. up for the winter. <laughs> but that being said, I mean, I was very happy when it came about just because it really did. The flames have really been stoked. Uh, and I think that, you know, the way that Will was reacting was essentially every Nancy Jonathan fangirl squeeing when they finally <laughs> came back together and kissed. But, Jay, you bring up a good point about the long term connotations of this. I'll draw the parallel to another TV show. I don't know if you guys watched New Girl. But uh, Nick and Jess hooked up in what season two of New Girl, and then season three, they're like, "Okay, they're in a relationship. We don't know what to do with this. <laughs> Let's break them up." Yeah. So I wonder, like, if they do end up with the two of them together, it's sort of a question of where do they go from there. But I, and in the moment, I immensely enjoyed what it built to. And obviously, again, that how was the pullout line compete with? Brent Gelman, assumingly uh, improving, dropping food on off of his fork and missing completely. It was just a really fun scene. I've always been like uh, one that says that when two main couples hook up, it usually kills the flow of the show. I mean, I've, I've always had that. I, I know you have, but do you think it'll do it in this show where the plot's so quick there's not a lot of time for that? Or, or do you I, think it's I, I think it's like, uh, it, I don't think it will because, you know, they, they only have like eight or nine episodes a season. Um, Will there be some friction between Steve and 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 uh, Jonathan? There already was, already is. So um, I will see. And plus, I think the fans. I think after season one, I think we all wanted Jonathan and, and Nancy to hook up more than Steve and Nancy. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, I, yeah. I. But but now I like Steve a lot. Yep. There, but there's a really fun moment as well. Speaking of Steve, I don't know if you guys noticed this, where they framed Murray's staircase in a way that you know when Jonathan and Nancy finally sort of start uh, embracing. There's a poster behind Jonathan that reads, "He's watching you," <laughs> and obviously that's one of Murray's big conspiracy theory posters. But as Jack oh. is alluding to, it might make reference to the fact that there is a third part of this equation. He's off right now walking, you know, the railroad trading <laughs> hair tips, but uh, he's going to be involved much sooner rather than later in all of this. And you've got to do some explaining. Yeah. Yeah. 
speaking of which, number three top moment, uh, Steve Hare's secrets are revealed. Vera Fawcett. Vera Fawcett with, uh, was it Fabergé? Um, Jack, you you had hair during this time. Do you know of these <laughs> I, hair products? I did, but I don't think I use Farrah Fawcett hair products. Okay, I don't, okay. Believe, I don't believe so. I, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I, I did. <laughs> uh, but I will say this. Steve was, because well, Dustin was and Steve, were they were talking about how to get a girl, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, just let Dustin know that Steve's good at getting the girl. But is he good at keeping the girl? Well, he uh, said Nancy's true. Nancy's different. She's special. Like the, these these cheap tricks uh, don't work on a special person like Nancy. So he yeah, yeah, he did cheap tricks. That. Jonathan's favorite band. Speaking of which, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to want me. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, no, I, I think I think that I think Steve's still in love with Nancy, and that's gonna yep. that'll be an issue down the line. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah, Steve a- doesn't have. It. Hopefully he doesn't have that bat with the nails when he meets Jonathan next time. <laughs> well, that's the inter- that's the interesting, the interesting, the interesting thing. The interesting thing is, you get this love triangle where like one of the parties is very vapid or two dimensional or like full of themselves, but Steve and maybe just because of the actor is just like so genuine. Even in this scene where like he's admittedly giving some very douchey tips about like <laughs> you got to make it look like you don't care and then they'll come to you. Like, there's almost an earnestness in that, in that, like, Steve doesn't know any better, and that's how he sort of, like, found success, ironically enough. But it seems like uh, Dustin's going to try to take Steve's advice, but he's going to miss out on the opportunity to possibly get with Max, considering that, like, Luke is pretty much swept, you know, her off of her feet, so to speak, while Dustin was trying to patiently wait it out and play it cool. By being honest. Lucas was honest with Max. So Mm, That's true. That's true. That. Different strategy. <laughs> um, yes, uh, number four. Lucas gets in touch with Dustin, Lucas's sister, uh, stealing his He-Man. Uh, let's let him know that uh, his friend has been trying to reach him. Uh, another kind of little side character. I I find Lucas's sister funny. Having a younger sister myself, uh, two younger sisters that always, you know, being a pain in my in my butt. Jack, you you've had younger sisters as well that were a pain in yours. Um, I, oh, I I found I, I find it I, I found it my, funny. My younger sisters were great. <laughs> I don't know if they listen to this podcast. I don't. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I find it fun. I, Colleen finds her annoying, but I, I thought it was fun. She's supposed I like to be it. annoying. And I, and I like more moments of Lucas's family as well. Whether they're, I think it was episode five that they were at the breakfast table. Yeah. We get this moment with, where Erica purposely like hangs up on Dustin, yeah. and this is how Lucas finds out about it. I like again getting more glimpses of the other two boys home life just to sort of flesh out the world a little bit and yeah i mean give me some, i don't know if we need a full erica episode but give me some more erica i'd be i'd be intrigued to see her work with lucas a little more especially if max gets in the picture yeah agreed. and for the people playing at home uh, lucas's dad was reading a newspaper <laughs> it was something that used to come in be on your porch in the in the morning and now and now you just read your ipads and your iphones who's a what's it's um, but I can I, I can remember when you kids were young and I'd have the paper. Reading yeah, exactly. You would breakfast. you would ignore me like, Dad, let's play. No, sorry, son. I got to read the sports section. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you want to go up and have a catch, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dad, you want to have a catch? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really no, I gotta sorry. Spray, get my fair faucet product in before, <laughs> you know, I step out like, into wait. the cold. Did we adopt another kid? Who's this kid that wants to have a catch? I know it's not Jay. 
You had a more of a Mike's dad approach uh, to parenting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> number five, uh, Max uh, and Lucas share a moment on top of the bus. Um, so it seems definitely like Max and Lucas are, are forming a bond um, and a relationship here. We do get a little more of Max's backstory. Uh, but for you, Mike, it's still not enough. We still kind of need more here for Max. This is this is more. This also feels like I don't know. This also feels a little stereotypical for me, at least of like it's almost like footloose. Like here's the kid rolled into town. <laughs> Granted, you know their family's not broken up at this point. I'm also still confused. I think one of the things that really drew Jack to like focus in on Max and her possible connections is that Billy told her like, oh, it's your fault. We're here. Was it because? he they got married and decided to move to indiana but if so how is that max's fault at all max is not like setting them up personally i mean far be it for me to actually like try to put real thoughts in billy's head but it's a weird comment to keep going back to well maybe he's just he's just uh he's just a jerk right or is that not enough there maybe has to be a real reason you know we've talked about two you the last episode you mentioned is billy a racist and we had another scene where yeah. where Lucas comes to her door, knocks on the door, and, and he says, "You go, don't let him see you. Get out of here." And then he goes around the back. So, is is that a storyline, or is it just something that's just he doesn't want her mixing in with any of the locals or anything like that? I don't know. It just it, it definitely. I mean, if if he's being painted as a pure bad guy, sociopath, whatever, um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's mm. tough not to to draw those uh, comparisons or illusions. Yeah, right. but I did like I did like this scene overall because I mean the Max actress did get like somewhat emotional as well and like opening up a p- part of herself and giving this apology. I really liked especially the part of like I know that Billy can be a jerk and sometimes I know that I can be like I can be one too, but I don't want to be like him. I do feel like there's some depth in there i just hope that we're able to explore it a little bit more we got just like a little sneak peek you know i want to see the 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 full feature but i'm worrying that with only three episodes left and things ending on such a wackadoo moment at the end of episode six i don't know if we're ever going to have another moment for like max to stop down and be like so this is how i feel about my parents relationship (laughs) (laughs) or get a max flashback in some way um all right number six adventures in babysitting at the junkyard um again i I gotta gotta love steve like you know standing up here uh just going out there to be the the human bait um and uh the the turn or the reveal that there's more than one dart um was pretty scary and uh a a pretty uh intense scene that kind of where you kind of grip in the armrest uh, so to speak but uh a a great uh action kind of set piece and a familiar location yeah, a couple things on this. First, I love Steve during all of this. He sort of said adventures in babysitting. Steve definitely taking on the babysitting role. But I also loved when Lucas and Dustin sort of have this conversation about how, like, you told Max about everything. Yeah, where you lied to us about Dart. And then you have Steve interrupting by being like, hey, dickheads, how come the only one helping me out here is this <laughs> random girl? It's just such a, <laughs> such that was a, fun, a funny line. <laughs> that was a really funny moment. Uh, but the interesting thing as well is that, like, at least from my opinion – I was sort of, I don't want to say I was happy to see that there were multiple d- darts. I believe that the internet term that they use for it is demodog, like demogorgon, but yep, dog, considering that these are like on four quadrupeds and they're basically running around like, uh, you know, Rottweilers. 
but it also sort of redeems, not redeems Dustin, but at least doesn't make me feel like he screwed everything up because he kept Dart. You know, it seems like maybe it's because of all these holes that have been existing in Hawkins and the year in between, but it seems like there are a bunch more about, unless Dart was like undergoing some form of mitosis (laughs) and was like rapidly replicating himself or splitting off from himself it seems Grimland like style. all of these things are just coming out yeah exactly yeah no i i agree i think i think they are you know because we saw slugs coming out of barb's mouth um you know all the people that the original demogorgon got last year if we assume that the uh, the little the larval um uh demogorgons that came out of the the dead people's mouths as well as wills um, eventually evolved uh, or grew into these demodogs. And I would assume they would continue to kind of develop into full-fledged uh, demogorgons. Um, I don't think these are like different species, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's, that's, a, that's a good call to make as well. Unless maybe there's some sort of weird thing where like the, the demogorgon is able to like absorb DNA as weird as that sounds, and maybe it was like maybe the, one of the Demogorgons like got some dog DNA. Maybe it was because it came from Will's house, and Will at some point I don't think he does anymore, but he had a dog. He did. Maybe that's what turned it into like a Demodog. Maybe we'll see like maybe Dart is like a Demo cat. Uh, maybe we can get all sorts of like weird animal based Demogorgon creatures. I don't know. We've got five seasons to to you know we already are finishing up two. We've got three more seasons to sort of pump out as many. Ki- characters in this mythos as possible i'm just saying we might see a democat sooner well, rather than later connecting it to oh i'm sorry connecting it to aliens uh one uh that is that that theory does connect to alien three where uh the the face hugger actually attaches to a dog and the alien in alien three is a, a dog alien essentially um and uh another part of it is um you know, uh, in Alien, the first one, there's one alien. And in Aliens, there's like a crap ton of them. Uh, so that has to be another connection there uh, beyond uh, casting Paul Reiser. But the, the scene in the tunnels where all of the uh, people kind of get ambushed and taken out um, definitely smacked of, uh, of uh, aliens to me. Jack, what were you going to say? I was going to say, we, forget, we didn't talk about the scene where D- uh, Dustin lies to his mom about the cat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love the fake phone call. Again, Dustin is like <laughs> developing like a little bit of a deceptive streak to him. I think it re- honestly really started in that moment where he sort of expounded to Mr. Clark about like the door of curiosity. <laughs> now it seems like he can really like he's a I don't know. He's a regular con artist. He's just lying <laughs> to everyone about everything. Is Dustin going to go to the dark side? That's what I'm, I, I'm wondering. Cause he, Ooh, dark, Dustin. dark Dustin. Dark Dustin. Dark Dustin. <laughs> But, you know, his, what happens when his mom gets to the place where he said he, Dustin was talking to, and he goes, I never talked to Dustin. What, what's going to happen there? I don't know. Nothing? Is it the 80s? There's no repercussions? There's no <laughs> I was going to say, considering no these, parents are, these parents are still letting, you know, Nancy go out of her room days after her best friend disappeared slash got killed. Like, I think pretty much except for, I think, isn't it the rule of thumb that, like, besides Joyce Byers, everyone else is kind of a doof? In, when, in the adult world? I would yeah. think so, yes. Um, and kind of seven, eight kind of combined here. So I will. Uh, so Dr. Owen sends people to check out the spot that Will sent them to. He said there, he doesn't want uh, people to see here. It's a weakness. So uh, the envoy, this military envoy, gets there, and it's actually an ambush that spy Will, uh, and he takes out everybody 
um, and uh, they rush towards Hawkins' lab. Uh, so a big kind of plot reveal. Will um, has been compromised, uh, and uh, the I mean every character that's at least in Hawkins' lab. Uh, seems to be in big trouble uh, with the last scene in the episode, uh, the oh, claw yeah. of one of the the demodogs like hitting the the edge of of the the ravine there, the big hole. Mm. Yeah, this was so good, and not just because I was right. Uh, I couldn't. I could, <laughs> could rarely hear the scene over me just patting myself on my own back for five minutes. But uh, this was just so, like you mentioned with the junkyard scene as well. It's just a really good action piece, and just in terms of tension, and then it keeps cutting back to will as he like slowly reveals that yes it's a trap he was the one that sort of led them astray i like them even a callback literally to like an episode prior them going to that quote-unquote graveyard where hopper almost got swallowed up by the vines it was just so well done and as we talked about a myriad of times at the cars this podcast really built up excitement and suspense making you want to tune into that next episode yeah and it, make it well, really I think tough to yeah, stop it, even Hopper says, wait, I was that's where I was at when he sees the guy stepping yeah, the on the bones and yeah. stuff like that. And, and it was like Mike goes to try to, hey, it's a trap. And, and of course, the, gar- the guard's not letting him in. So anyway. And, and I loved as well, like obviously uh, we said the effects budget definitely got bumped. And I loved, you know, the effect of the fog rolling in with the Demodog. Just in case that there wasn't enough money, you could say that it was shrouded <laughs> in fog. But I feel like my favorite moment was almost that radar system. Yes. Just watching all of those dots swarm in yeah. and then just take off again. You know, it, it's um, it was such a, a really simple moment, but so representative of just the larger threat of the fact that, oh, yeah, now Hawkins Lab is working with everybody. But that still doesn't mean but it means bupkis yeah, exactly. compared to. They're in for much larger stakes than they were last time around. Well, if we remember in season one, you had all those military people trying to take down the Demogorgon, and it could be shot like a billion times, and it didn't. I mean, it definitely got hurt, but it didn't stop it. And now you have, I can't, I can't count how many of those red dots there were, but there was at least twenty some odd uh, Demodogs. It seemed, uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, they had what like seven people down there or something. Um, and Demodog the, the, dare you. So um, and it this is a cool call out on the scene. I think it's another call back to aliens. I think it had a similar type thing. I haven't seen it in a while. <laughs> Why don't we just do a podcast on aliens? No, but I, I think they did have like a, a monitor system, and then they could see the alien uh, coming up. Um, and it was like right on top of them. They didn't know why, but it was actually in the ventilation or something like that. Um, that- but still, really, really cool, really cool scene. Really cool close of the episode and ending it on a very much like I need to see the next episode. Yeah, question now, about, about Will. Sorry, about Will. You know, go he, ahead. Can he control, like I said, at the end, he says, I'm sorry. You know, he's talking to Mike. So at one point, he's, you know, he said they, he wanted me to do it or whatever the exact words were. Sometimes he can control himself. Sometimes he can't. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen in the future? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask as well. Is like what we have this huge reveal at the end of the episode about the fact that Will is sort of being pulled in both directions but it seems like the the people of hawkins the human side seems to be losing this proverbial tug of war it seems like the thessal hydra for one reason or another is really starting to pull will in i don't know what exactly it is this is also the first episode i believe that we saw these quote-unquote now memories for the first time when we went inside will's head i'm assuming we'll see more of them to possibly reveal more about maybe what the the thessal hydra's plan is but I don't know. I'm really inclined to believe that that Will's sort of a, 
a foregone conclusion at this point, but I could also see it a total moment in episode nine where like he's able to fight it temporarily to help save everyone, but at what cost? But I feel like for now he's definitively swung over to the dark side. Yeah, I think he's he's he is, and they kind of referenced it too with him not rem- knowing who that was Hopper and Bob was. Like he's he's losing more and more of his humanity. Um, so yeah. something I guess will have to be done to stop that at some point, or we lose to be, Will. To, to be fair, Bob is kind of forgettable. So, oh what? come on, <laughs> that's Bob the Brain, Jack. <laughs> he's just jealous. He's jealous. Well, you know, you had you had Will, who's actually saved Hopper, right? Sure, but then you then he gets the other five people killed. So, yeah, well, and and they got take the good with the bad, and also like really nice pairing as well with you know Hopper who helped save Will. Now Will sort of paid it back in kind. Uh, the question is if Will is now sort of serving as the human vessel for the Thessal Hydra. You know, I'm assuming now we're gonna have like Will almost being its mouthpiece and speaking on behalf of it. I wonder if he'll uh, take kindness upon Hopper, or if it really does become the fact that oh. You know, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> well, do they, do they, now going forward, are they going to be stupid enough to trust Will anymore? No, no I would hope not. But th- but that's the thing, though. That's where the fun wrinkle is, is the fact that, like, his mom is there and his best friend is there. Are they really going to be that quick to say, like, no, you know what? We should, like, abandon and kill my child. We're you know, not I feel like there's going to kill him, but not listen to him. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there's still going to be some fun conflicts in there because, like, now I feel like the Hawkins lab people are going to push back even more on Owens and say, like, look, this kid is a danger. He helped. He literally led these seven people to their deaths. We need to get rid of him. And now you have Joyce questioning, like, my son is a danger. But at the same time, he's my son. I think there's some really interesting emotional play in there, which I didn't initially expect. I will yeah, say. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jack. And when, when they were having we talked about the round table with the one guy was like saying, hey, if he dies, he dies. I mean, it just. uh I think, like you said, they're setting us up. Will will be have to be sacrificed in order to save the town. So, do we think Will's going to be dead? Is is this his? Uh, uh, no, I don't think this season. Okay, but I could, I, I could again going back to Harry Potter. Spoiler alert for Harry Potter. I could see a moment where like Will gets killed, that killed the part of the Thessal Hydra within him, and then he comes back again, again, again. He's Zombie Boy Part Two, um, <laughs> and now and now he's fine, or is he? <laughs> Just think of the crap he's going to go through school now. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's got to be. He's got to be homeschooled at this point. I, don't, I, don't, I know exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's Bob's turn. He becomes uh, uh, Will's tutor at home. Yeah, or or they just move up to Maine and we get season three up in Maine, which would be a very like Stephen King yes. dreamcatcher yes. with like snowy climate or the thing. Yep. Or it. It was in Maine too. I just, yeah, I just sure. think it would be awkward with Bob as tutor when Nancy, or, uh, Joyce and Hopper are dating. I just, I, <laughs> no, Fair that's enough. when Steve comes over for a little bit of a study sesh, if you get my drift. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have to say about well, these Steve, two chapters. Steve's in college now, so it's okay. <sighs> God. Let's, um, let's go to listener feedback. Probably the last time we'll have listener feedback. Uh, <laughs> uh, so this first one's uh, in reference to spoiler free episodes three and four. A great podcast, great show in that order. Oh, thank you. Oh, um, love the combination of comedy, drama, scary that this has, and that is just the podcast. Oh wow, I didn't <laughs> know we had scary moments. That's uh... well, those are Jack's theories. Yeah, exactly. 
I like to. Uh, I think the Stranger Things production team is messing with the space-time continuum a little too much with their '80s references. At the beginning of episode three, they reference a current show that takes place in the '80s on a current show that p- takes place in the '80s. Wait, I don't get what that means. Are they saying like a reference to a show that takes place not in the '80s? There's a typo. Well, I think they're saying that like, oh, they're making wistful references to a show that's taking place at the time the show takes place. Oh, okay. you know, it's like oh, okay. it's like when we acknowledge like. Uh, you know, uh, family matters. Like, oh, it's fun because it was like 20 years ago. But if they're wistfully, you know, ex- expressing their nostalgia for a show that's currently on the air in that timeline, that might not play as well as I think what they're referring fair to. Fair enough, fair enough. But I will say, as a kid that weirdly idolized the 80s as like a 10-year-old or, a, you know, an 8-year-old, I, I can say that there there is that thing. I was the weird Ghostbusters kid uh, in elementary school when you know it wasn't cool to be nerdy uh, so yeah i Jack can back <laughs> i can back um uh when dustin's mom asked if he was constipated she was channeling her best beverly goldberg <laughs> the all-time greatest smother <laughs> uh, that was funny um the the space-time continuum might rip that would release a demogorgon for real just saying uh, crackpot theory: The box that finds that Eleven finds under the cabin is Hopper's dad's stuff. For when he did work at the lab, Hopper did say his dad used to live there. Yeah, mm. yeah, I would say, but still had the folder of the stuff that he got with Terry Ives. Um, thanks for the show, and still working my way through the old Lost podcast. You guys have come a long way, Stephen in Florida. Thank you, Stephen. Very kind words. Thanks, yeah. I think that I think that theory would be cool, and I think it definitely would connect back to this idea of generations again. Don't want to go back to heroes, uh, but that was a thing, right? Was that like a lot of the a lot of the main characters had parents or ancestors that were like connected into this one big group that worked together into a little bit of a schism. Uh, the only thing is that I feel like Hopper would have known about that yeah. box, right? I think it, I think it was more so like I believe in the, in the flashback. Even he's like, "Oh, we gotta this pace is pretty crappy. We gotta like pack everything up and you know put it in in safe, organized boxes." So I wonder if he just have to have a bunch of Terry Ives research that he culled together uh, in the year or so and just put it under that uh, under the floor in that very <laughs> helpfully marked box. <laughs> Don't look here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's more that because we saw him. We saw him pull. Um, oh, what are those called again? Uh, the little slides with the newspapers they have a name and i forgot um, um microfiche Mi- micro microfilms micro uh, i think mike's right uh anyways uh but yeah good <laughs> theories good theories all right we got an email here from episodes five and six the ones we just talked about hey jay jack and mike great job on your recap of episodes three and four um, I have a few comments for episodes five and six, and then a suggestion. I'm leaning more towards Bob the Brain being okay. It was pretty awesome how he figured out the map of tunnels. I'm still not convinced about Dr. Paul Reiser. I have no <laughs> clue what his character's name is. Uh, it's Dr. Owens, but I, I do understand. I can sympathize. Uh, that was heartbreaking about what happened to Elle's mother. Brenner was an a-hole and deserved to be devoured by the Demogorgon. Do we know that for sure? I hope he's truly dead. Uh, Dustin and Steve together is an awesome pairing. They both have the hair. Sorry, Jack. Uh, poor Will, that boy has been through enough. Um, it's time to get the gang together and fix this. But I hope uh, that first those smarmy doctors that don't care about whether Will's life get uh, eaten by the Demogorgons. And where did all those Demogorgons come from? Hopper is Hawkins, Indiana Jones. Uh, any thoughts on why Will doesn't remember Bob and almost seems scared of him? Uh, 
I broke down and watched the final three episodes after I wrote down these thoughts. Um, uh, I don't. I want to say anything. Then I'm actually going to keep that off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a trap. Love Mike Star Wars reference. So there you go. Oh, okay. That's the email. Any thoughts there? I I, I personally think that Brenner's dead. Uh, that might be me hope hopefully thinking, but I don't know. Why would they bring him back? How would they bring him back? What did he just like move out of town because he was so embarrassed by the Demogorgon flattening him? I, I don't any I don't see any reason how they'd be able to bring him back. Then why not show him get killed? They didn't show it explicitly. Because may, maybe they were on their last dollar in terms of budget and they weren't able to show like because think about it. There one of the things about like the Demogorgon and why it was so scary in that first season is because we didn't really actually see any gore. We didn't see it actually kill anybody. You know, yeah. we didn't see Barb even get killed. I wonder if it was just a thing of like, it's scarier, it's more frightening when you make the image in your head rather than actually seeing it on screen. True. That is true. But I, I would say... I, I, un- I, Go ahead, Jack. I think after the fifth episode, we don't need to see if Brenner... I, he's, we, he is an a-hole. He's, he's a bad man, and I, I think he got what he deserved. I, I think he is dead. And I, I agree with Mike. I don't think there's any reason to bring him back. Move the story forward. Yeah. Like I said, where did he go? I mean, it just it, is he hiding? Is he is he locked up in you know jail or something for a year or so? I'm good with him not being back. <laughs> I I would agree, but I would also say we have to um, realize that there's a chance. There is a chance uh, that he could come back. Because we didn't see him die. Okay, all right. And and we and we can't be ticked off about it because we didn't see well, his well, how body would he, get made. No, well, no, no, no. Well, no. How would he was how would he survive though? I don't know. I'm just saying we and didn't I, see and him I, get I, And I reserve the right to be ticked off about it, even more so because we were saying why we gave a laundry list of reasons why they shouldn't have done that, only for them to do it anyway. And it's not <laughs> like you know. Again, once again, going back to that hero's well with that sweet, sweet water. Um, what they did with Siler. <laughs> made sense because Siler was a, and I would say like a fan favorite character, but he was like well enjoyed as a villain that the creators would say, Oh yeah, let's bring back more Siler. I don't think anyone was like, woo Brenner. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so sad that Brenner left. I need more Brenner in my life. Maybe the game bring Brenner back at the reboot of the reboot of heroes. And we can do that. Uh, was it, well, I guess we'll just have to wait to see. Uh, Duffer Brothers. Actually, if, if they do bring Brenner back and he he can he do that thing he did and erase my memory of heroes ever being around. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you you have our thoughts and opinions on bringing Doctor Brenner back here right now. You can do it right now before uh, if he shows up in these last two episodes. Sorry, but you you at least forewarned uh, for next season and and seasons future. Uh, to yes. not to not bring him back, or you'll you'll feel you're, the wrath of the J Jack and Mike. Four, you're four warned. You're eight warned. You're eleven warned. We're just covering all of our numbers here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, that's it for the listener feedback. We did get one, I think, for episode nine. So we'll we'll save that uh, for when we actually talk about those episodes, uh, gentlemen. Any final thoughts here uh, on these two chapters uh, as uh, we kind of get to go past this big cliffhanger? I'm just looking forward to watching it. All right. Yeah. 
Well, I know I know we say that every episode, but <laughs> you know, even even if I think like the minor quibbles that we have, like again, I'm not sure how much they're gonna develop Max's character more, but I've been so excited with how this season has gone so far. And I feel like the last couple of episodes especially really kicked everything up a notch, uh, both in terms of action, in terms of combining the characters, in terms of romance. So I'm so excited to see I'm assuming it's going to be such like a high octane finish over the course of three episodes. We have three hours to really, you know, have everything build to a climax and then finally result in some uh, falling action and denouement. So I'm so excited to do it and so excited to come back with you guys next week to uh, talk through episodes seven and eight as we near that end. Yes. So uh, we are going to be doing seven and eight next week. And uh, we decided to break off episode nine, the last episode, um, and then pair it with the uh, Beyond Stranger Things. Uh, I believe there's six of those, like oh, God. each. Are there um, more previews I should watch? <laughs> no, but Jack, please at least watch these ones. Oh, I will. <laughs> so we'll talk about the last episode um, as well as the Beyond Stranger Things uh, the week after. That's. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough to follow up a show as beloved as season one of Stranger Things. Uh, but I will say, I mean, it's the show's not done yet. Um, and besides minor nitpicks, uh, and again, I didn't really watch the show critically season one. I'm sure I could have nitpicks for those. But uh, I have I have as well enjoyed uh, Stranger Things 2 a lot and haven't been like, you know, episode one uh, hating it or anything like that. Well, like we talked about, too, is like a guy like Steve, I could have cared less if they brought up back season two. And now I love Steve. Yeah. So they, they, I, they, I, they, they've done some great, you know, like I think Mikey mentioned a couple episodes about Will being kind of a minor character. And now he's a he's a major character. Or maybe, yeah, maybe the most important character. It's it's interesting because uh, I mean, as you talked about before, even the season started, they really build this as a sequel. You even said Jay just now that it was Stranger Things too, and I feel like they're really doing what you're supposed to be doing in a sequel, which is not repeating yourself. You know, possibly building out storylines and characters that we didn't get a lot of in the first season. You just talked about Steve, Jack. We talked about Will. Uh, you know, exploring some other dynamics as well. The Stephen Justin thing, I know that we all absolutely loved and hope to see more of. And then sort of bringing in new characters that sort of make sense and also create new dynamics. I feel like as much as we may gripe a little bit about the purpose of these characters, I really enjoyed Max. I, of course, love Bob. I feel like Dr. Owens is coming to his own. Billy is sort of filling his purpose, which I think is for us to all dislike him. So I feel like as a pure sequel from either a movie or a TV perspective, it's absolutely knocking it out of the park. Yeah. So actually, we kind of talked about Brenner. We don't need him back. So is is Billy filling that void of just like a one-dimensional bad guy? I think so. I think, you know, even though Stranger Things is definitely trying to branch out, as we talked before in that meta moment, they're trying to be more original and less derivative. I do feel like still one of the tropes you can lean on, especially when it comes to 80s pop culture, is this one-dimensional bad guy. Be it the teenage bully, the kid bully mouth breather, or the the shady government figure. And I wonder if it's because our quote-unquote enemies, like Steve especially, have built out to be more humanized. They're worried, okay, we still need sort of a figure to turn our gaze against. Uh, I still don't know if it's necessary, especially in the looming picture of the Thessal Hydra and now the Demodogs. 
But if you needed something to sort of pave the way before that reveal happens, I guess Billy is adequate in that regard. Yeah. All right. Next next year, next on the podcast, about fifth or sixth episode, are we saying how much we like Billy now? <laughs> no, because even at the beginning, it seemed like there, he had more complexity. And 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 for what I understand, like reading about kind of prep for season two. Uh, Steve's character was supposed to be like Billy, but once they casted the role with uh, the actor that plays him, they just really liked him as a person and, and really kind of wrote the character to kind of match the actor's personality. Um, so I, I got to give kudos to the Duffer brothers in seeing so being a, what... So being a nice guy saved Steve's career. Uh, the well, actor. yeah, the story for that character, yeah. yeah. I, well, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, like, the actors who play, like, Malfoy and Harry Potter and Joffrey and Game of Thrones have gotten like some of them have retired from acting but I feel like they, they haven't exactly had like a drought in their career afterwards it's not necessarily that just because you play a character that True. gets hated I feel like that almost draws more acclaim to you than sometimes when you're playing like the most lovable character on earth yeah well I'm saying he, he got he's he's got a, a bigger role this season I think than he would have had if, if as a bad guy I mean oh yeah. definitely he would he would not have gotten as much play he wouldn't have done that thing with Dustin at all had no. you know had production been so favorable towards him but yeah i, no, it I mean it, would, it wouldn't have worked that because because steve was a jerk last season for the most part i mean I'll, so. I'll make a bold prediction here i don't think i think you know the season two finale might be the last time we see billy i don't see any scenario where and maybe that means that unfortunately max goes away too i'm not entirely sure but i don't really see how they're going to pull such a heel turn you know, Steve, they did a heel turn in the last couple of episodes, but Steve was also not shown as a racist. So I think it's <laughs> going to be really tough to show the audience like, hey, like we like Billy now, you know, or at least Billy has some redeeming qualities unless he like decides to drive it and save well, Max. I'm pretty sure that it, he's, he's filled his purpose and he's going to go. Maybe they can save Max by ki- character by killing off Billy. Maybe Bill, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty dark, though, too. I mean, <laughs> considering, considering how like rocked Nancy was by the Barb stuff, even at the beginning of this season, like I can imagine how screwed up Max would be if her stepbrother died in some way, shape or form. Or something. I don't, I don't think I don't think she cares that much. <laughs> uh, according they to Jack, they, Nancy, they obviously don't they obviously don't get along. No, hold on. Uh, I, just according to Jack, Nancy needs to have sex with somebody again and then Billy will be killed. Easy peasy. Oh, Billy, you know, Billy, be like this. Oh, wait, Nancy's having sex. Ah! Um, even though, really, Jack, I'm sorry, you, you can blame these deaths on Will. Will's the one that, uh, or at least, allowed uh, the Shadow Monster to trap them there. Go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's bl- blame the kid. Anyway, uh, that will do it for this week's episode. Give us a call at three eight five three zero nine zero three eleven. Only time. Once again, it's 385-309-0311. Calling time with questions, comments, and or theories. Send an email to StrangerThingsJJM at... Gmail.com. Once again, StrangerThingsJJM at gmail.com. If you want to... uh, We're doing 7 and 8 next week, so if you want to write an email about episodes 7 and 8, please uh, title that in the uh, email. If you want to... uh, If you're already ahead and you're just... You're binging it, that's fine. Just make sure you're classifying it in the title of the email. Some of you have already done it, so we'll have... Uh, feedback for when we get to those episodes um but yeah please feel free to give that feedback in want to thank 
thank the people that make this show possible, our patrons, over at patreon.com slash jnjack. We have over 150 patrons, all that contribute with $1 or more a month, and it helps make all of our shows possible, uh, especially this one. want to thank Tack from Tokyo, Eckhart Richter, Molly the Millennial, and Ed the Letter Carrier uh, for your contributions, and thank you to all of our patrons. You can find a list of every single one of them on jnjack.com. Click the Become a Patron link today. If you buy anything on Amazon... Maybe it's the Fair Fawcett's uh, hairline, um, Jack. Maybe that can that can help you. I don't know. She um, she did have she did have great hair. Uh, J and Jack dot com slash Amazon uh, for all of your hair care needs. Um, check out our other shows. You can find them all at slash iTunes. Uh, talking about Dancing with the Stars this season with uh, Jack, Cindy, and Heather. Uh, there is also Survivor with Jay, Jack, and Colleen. We're post-merge, which is a lot of fun. Always fun post-merge. Um, and uh, we have our perennial shows, uh, the Ramblecast uh, with Jay, Jack, Boston, Nick, and sometimes Matt. Um, and also you have the broadcast. And I think there's another uh, Owen and Brews barbecue uh, in the works. Maybe that'll drop this week. Um, Mike, you podcast a bajillion podcasts a week. It is Survivor <laughs> season. You have a lot of cool Survivor content. Where can people find you, good sir? Uh, you can find me doing Survivor exit interviews on Parade Magazine, doing uh, fun and game stuff with Survivor every week on the RHAP B&B on reality TV wrap-ups. I do SNL recaps on post-show recaps as well. I do The Hamster Factor, uh, covering a movie that I have never seen and watching for the first time with AJ Mass. Uh, this week, we are doing The Ten, which is a little-known uh, David Wayne film from 2007 that was an anthology talking about the Ten Commandments, so be sure to listen to all my thoughts there. In general, just check out all the stuff I'm doing. I chill it out on at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter. Awesome. Sweet. That's we'll do it for this week's episode, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hasta luego and goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>